Accomplishment Coaching is proud to present the following fine programming. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. AccomplishmentCoaching.com. Welcome to The Coaching Show with your host, Master Certified Coach, Christopher McCollum. And thank you. That's the voice of Dick Warren. And I thank you, dear listener, for being with us again on an edition of The Coaching Show. Today, international edition of The Coaching Show. My name is Christopher McAuliffe, Master Certified Coach, because you have to say it that way. Here, as I am, as I'm always delighted to see you uh, with the, the passionate, the delightful, the genius that is Craig Cassie. Craig, how are you? I'm good. You know, grateful to be stepping in for Alex. For those longtime listeners, you might have heard of Alex's dating adventure competition. And today is actually our Alex's 40th birthday. So I am filling in his very big ontological shoes as uh, the love of his life is actually taking him out on a celebration. So he's actually out for business to celebrate the connection and the fun and the juicy we go us with turning 40. So Alex, if you ever listen to this, happy birthday. <laughs> and I want to be clear, now that Alex is, is 40, you're my trophy co-host. Is that, uh, yeah, the I, younger, you know. A dream I've had my whole life. You have no idea, Christopher. <laughs> yeah, I really don't. You're, you're very kind to indulge a ridiculous human like me. Uh, anything you want the people to know about you by way of introduction, uh, how to get a hold of you, where you are in the, I understand Instagram is very popular. Oh, certainly. Instagram over TikTok for me, at least. If not that, you'll find me on bonapetit.com. <laughs> Everything I know about cooking, I learned in TikTok. Go ahead, man. <laughs> so if you want to find me, you can hit me up for daily coaching, sex coaching, and business coaching resources on Instagram. The handle is uh, Craig Cassie Jr. That is C-R-A-I-G-C-A-S-S-E-Y-J-R. You'll also find some really fun, goofy quips. <laughs> to go alongside the heart-centric content. Uh, beyond that, you can also hit me up on my personal website, craigcassie.com, that is C-A-S-S-E-Y. You know what, I was thinking about you uh, when I, um, you know, was brushing my teeth. And I was thinking that uh, when I first met you, you had sort of an edgy, like, um, snark uh, uh, that would come out every time, every once in a while. And I haven't seen that in a while. Are you, are you tamping that down? Are you like intentionally sort of being the, the sweetheart, Craig, and then someday you're just going to unleash it on us? Or what's the big plan? You know, it might be all the brownies and the mushrooms I've done. <laughs> this morning. Years, but, yeah. Well, you know, I think also my life is just so much sweeter that I think some of the unintentional snark has left my space as I've just made for a more pleasurable existence. Um, but if you caught me hungry, no, it would definitely still be there. I'm just well fed. I am sourced before this podcast today, Christopher. All right. Well, I... I mean, don't get me wrong. I like the the sweetheart Craig, but I kind of miss the, you know, edgy, snarky, bitchy one. So if you ever, if you ever feel like just. I'll let him know. We'll see if he wants to come out and play today. As for your request. Your people will contact his people. Great. Uh, thank you so much for being with us. By the way, where, where are you in the world? I'm, I'm of course in my palatial mansion in La Jolla, California, overlooking the Pacific Ocean. Where are you? I am in lovely Washington, D.C., where it is too cold to walk my dog. So we're here together on the couch. My <laughs> <laughs> second choice. All right. Well, speaking of locations, I, I, I did say that our guest today is uh, is international. Anything that you want to, uh, what are you excited about talking with our guest about today, Craig? Anything that you've been like chomping at the bit? 
all things pleasure. I mean, as a sex coach, I talk about pleasure all the time, my clients in the bedroom, but I'm really curious about in today's day and age, in the midst of an endemic or pandemic with COVID, how are we really being a cause for creating pleasure and what feels like a somewhat pleasure starved uh, global experience? So that's what I'm really curious about. I want some answers, David. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it, I thought it was just me, pleasure starved. Yeah, I was I was taken by the by the description because you don't meet many people who are both best-selling authors, life coaches, super connectors, and poets, as well as being a speaker. But then uh, I found out, dug in more, and found out that David Brower is all about experiencing love, creating abundance, sensorial experiences with and for others everywhere he goes. Um, he says he invests in life cultivating and experiencing love and uh, is known in some circles as the sensorial guy. Uh, joining us from Paris, France today, please welcome to our microphones, David Brower. Hello, sir. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Bonjour tout le monde. <laughs> I, I, would, I would respond in French and then everybody would be embarrassed for me. So, um, uh, Let's talk about this. Uh, I, I sort of teed up this thing about being so multifaceted. What is guiding you that has you be both a life coach, the sensorial guy, a poet, and a super connector? Well, for me, they're all intermingled. So uh, it's all under one umbrella. Because uh, ideally in my life, and I hope that's what I demonstrate, is that everything I do, I want to be doing from a pleasurable space. Uh, you know, I'd rather be chasing and eating the carrot or the croissant, uh, or drinking the wine or drinking the champagne, uh, than, uh, you know, sort of crushing it or, um, you know, eating uh, fast food in front of my computer or um, not taking any holidays or overworking so much that the rest of my life is not really any, you know, build, build a work and not a life. And so my way of approaching uh, this is really, you know, where are my strengths, first of all, that uh, I believe I have and that the world seems to be validating and to put those into the world in a way that is me leaning into my strengths and my version of flow, if you wish, is the sweet spot of what I call pleasure, which uh, as Craig nicely noted, uh, I'm talking about pleasure outside of the bedroom not that pleasure in the bedroom is not a pleasurable thing, but, you know, let's disassociate or let's integrate the idea of pleasure not being just in the bedroom, that life has a lot of pleasure if we become present to it and if we open up to the different things that we can, that we can bring to it. So I'm, I'm just, I'm interested, obviously, and curious about uh, expression and how we connect with others and how we heal and nurture others. And my vehicles for doing that are gatherings and writing my poetry and uh, the, the transformational love story that I wrote. Uh, and um, through the way that I, that I coach, it's almost like a Maslow's hierarchy, uh, the way that I look at it, that we want to build things up, uh, but we want pleasure to be a piece of all of the parts of it. And at the same time, in this integration of pleasure with purpose, where we get to performance as I uh, experience it. Um, we want to, uh, you know, we want to be aligned uh, and we want to enjoy the ride. I mean, come on, you know, if we can't enjoy the ride or the process, uh, you know, that's troublesome. 
And I'm not saying I'm always in that space, but I am saying that I bring myself to that awareness, that I integrate that as much as possible. So functional, pragmatic, practical, everyday living and everything else that I can possibly bring pleasure into, uh, I do. Beautiful. You know, I can't, I can't say anything negative about that, except it's presencing me and probably everybody that you speak with to the places that we don't experience pleasure, right? Greg, have you got something? Uh, I mean, what comes out of me or how will I make my taxes pleasurable in the next right, few yeah. months? So I have some ideas. You know, you, I experienced you, David, as such like a, a modern Walt Whitman in your own right. <laughs> well, no, I really take him as an individual who who created and, and savored and, and sought pleasure in the natural world and these these everyday experiences that we so often either take for granted or we just we gloss over. So if we're starting from that place as the root, right? I almost hear the phrase practical pleasure, <laughs> taking pleasure in the, the little everything things we do. Where might I start on my new pleasure journey to actually get back into being in touch with the everyday. Do you, uh, do you cook food? Love to. Love even more to eat. <laughs> okay, so cooking and eating, which we do two or three times a day, or if you're a snacker, maybe it's multiple times. This is an infinitely abundant, sensorial, uh, juicy moment, either by yourself or with somebody else. And now if this is by yourself, Again, for me, it's all about how can I make this moment pleasurable? Well, first of all is, you know, I'm going to buy beautiful ingredients or things that I love to eat, or they want to experiment with eating, or I want to create and use my creativity, et cetera. And so I'm going to, I'm going to source beautifully. I'm going to, you know, use the skills that I have to cook because I do quite a bit of cooking. I use that even in my events, I use food. And so making it ritualistic, making it a living meditation, the whole process from shopping to eating. Right. And so when you get to the cooking part, there's only two things. And you know this, uh, Craig, <laughs> there's only two things really that I can think of. Maybe Christopher, who's smarter than all of us, will know a third one where <laughs> we get to use all of our senses. One of them is in the in the bedroom and one of them is when you're cooking. OK, mm -hmm. all the senses come into play. So if you are aware of that, if you are valuing it, that if you're coming to a mindfulness and a presence, uh, then you can start to really connect with that. Suddenly you're super ultra present and you can start actually savoring and we can get into that obviously later, but you've gone through the path of actually bringing yourself there. And so then you go to the plating and you do beautiful plating. You'll just slop it on the plate. Never put plastic on your table. Don't use paper napkins. Use real beautiful napkins. Use your grandmother's silverware for crying out loud. We only use it once a year. Start bringing into your daily life quality experiences so you're honoring yourself. So you're creating uh, a space to have pleasure. Of course, if you're eating out of the plastic container in front of your computer, of course, if you're eating something that's not too pretty, of course, if you don't really like what you're eating or it's kind of average, where's the celebration of life? Where's the joy there? Where's 
the pleasure there. So food is definitely one of them. And if you can do that with other people, hosting other people, make it a celebration, go the extra mile, surprise them, cook something impossible to cook when they come over. So you're thrown into an experience of adventure and flow and newness and dopamine hits are coming in and you're going crazy and you're loving this. And suddenly all the things that we're missing potentially in a period where we see each other little, we suddenly are amplifying and turning up that sensorial volume uh, like crazy. So around food, I, I feel is a, is a magnificent place for that. Um, you know, I like to talk about uh, also, uh, um, uh, what's it called, uh, you know, a voluntary deprivation. So one good example of this is cold showers, right? For those of us who are into that kind of, uh, kind of thing, okay? So, you know, I take a cold shower every morning. It's the winter. I don't know how cold my water is. It's pretty darn cold. I start warm, get in there. I'm dancing. I'm listening to music. And I know that I'm going to go to the cold afterwards. So I lather myself up and I'm savoring the warmth. But then I'm saying to myself that I'm going to savor the cold. And I love swimming in cold water. I don't know how I've cultivated this. I must be hot-headed or something or too passionate probably, but I need to cool down, right? <laughs> so, you know, I'm reframing for myself the experience of when the cold water comes on. First of all, why is it pleasurable to me? My well-being, my mindset, my willpower, my grit. Um, all of these things are suddenly going to, and I'm saying to myself, where is the pleasure in here? Well, there's multiple layers of pleasure that I can dip in. On top of it, I'm dancing while I'm listening to it you know, and all sorts of things. So there's just another example of that. Doing your taxes, I mean, let's talk about that. Um, I don't know that that can necessarily be enjoyable, but what if you, again, pull out the reframe and, and go up to 30,000 feet and say, you know, luckily I had to pay taxes because I'm making money. You know, there's an abundance mindset that comes in there and that's pleasurable to me. So it's, it's kind of a game of fluidly uh, uh, refocusing your awareness and how we value things. And then if you're able then to draw pleasure out of it and appreciate it, uh, I think we get into a, a certain rhythm which we can apply to almost everything in our lives. Relationships, conversations, you know, like, you know, just this conversation here, like I'm just saying to myself, like, how can we make this pleasurable? And I'm not just on the pleasure for pleasure's sake thing. I'm not saying that's not a bad thing. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Heck yeah, I don't want to live there. There's so much, you know, pleasure with purpose and meaning and performance. So it's kind of finding that fluidity. But when we get too much on one side, uh, we lose the muscle to to make it more fun. Same really? Thing, I'll give one more, and then I'll <laughs> go, ahead. go ahead, Christopher. No, go ahead. I was going to say, you know, another thing that I was doing during this whole last period here is. You know, uh, there's a great French DJ who was playing um, during the first lockdown, actually, for 50 days straight at lunchtime, he would play live, uh, uh, live gigs on Facebook, right? So it was like a one hour live DJ gig, a guy named Bob Sinclair, you know, amazing DJ. Uh, and it was always a different mix of music and it was live. And so I'd be watching that and I would be with one of my really close friends on WhatsApp with our phones. And so we would be dancing together, watching the music and listening to our good speakers in our own place and getting some exercise in for like an hour, okay? So there's so many ways to mix it up when you get a little more creative about it. And you just keep asking yourself, how can I make this pleasurable? 
you know, where, where are the gifts in this moment? Is there anything that I can reframe this with that'll allow me to feel uh, uh, more pleasure and get me through maybe a bit of the, the grunt work, uh, you know, even doing, I don't know, even doing planks when you're working out in the morning. I mean, can you find the pleasure in your morning plank? No. <laughs> Impossible. <laughs> <laughs> nope, never. <laughs> You've gone too far. No, I, I love this. So, so one of the things I'm getting so far is that um, just the daily sort of grind, right? I recently, um, you know, I love that you brought in food because I recently realized that perhaps like other people, uh, with the pandemic especially, I've started eating lunch at my desk, right? Like just sit in my desk, zoom, 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 eat, 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 do everything almost at the desk. You know, there's a small room that I use sometimes. And um, the the opportunity that I'm hearing in just bringing presence, because what, what's happening is I'm checking out, right, during those times. I'm not really present to the food or to the work. I'm just sort of on autopilot. So I really hear a... a a plea, an opportunity, a, a, an opening for us to step into full presence. And that's that helps me because when you were talking about mindfulness, I was like, so this guy's, you know, David is gonna spend some time with us, getting us uh, present in sort of a meditative way. But I hear you really calling us forward to get present in every moment, like to, to savor everything, you know, and, and yeah, get up and dance with your friend or yeah, go, eat in the, you know, using the good silverware in China in the good dining space you've got, right? I'm wondering though, um, if we, sorry, my question just flew out of my head. Um, I think that I was, I was looking more globally because I hear you also speaking to it more globally, like um, finding not just the the presence in every moment, but sort of when we look at our the longitude of our life, you're in Paris, France, and you don't, although your French is very good, you don't sound to me French. Is this is this sort of a larger picture of you bringing the same pleasure principle, like where do I want to live and how do I choose to live and like that? Or did you just end up there because you got kidnapped? How did it happen? <laughs> no, that's a friend of mine. Uh, <laughs> so I've been here 30 years. So I'm a uh... You know, I have a French passport, but I grew up in California. But at 22, uh, I got lucky as hell and, you know, got on a plane three weeks after getting out of UCLA, studying political science, having failed horribly on the LSAT. And so, you know, saving grace, don't have to go become a lawyer and got on a plane with a one way ticket. And suddenly I'm in France. I know nobody. Uh, I've been a little exposed to that from my parents who were quite open-minded and international, but never traveled outside of the U.S., not counting Canada and Mexico. Wow. You know, uh, and I never moved back to the U.S. And, you know, there's lots of stories therein. A lot of it has to do with the sensorial opening of a completely different way of experiencing daily life and the, um, the everyday habits, the everyday life that we lead uh, and realizing that connection with people and conversations uh, and, you know, debates about movies and, you know, five hour lunches where like one hour is about sex, one hour is about food, one hour is about travel. Um, like no one talks about their job 
you know, and it's this, this amazing, uh, like retreat during your day. It's an amazing vacation. It's a real break. Remember lunch break, breakfast, dinner break, holiday break. And then of course, I mean, my gosh, how many weeks of holiday have I had? Uh, I don't even want to talk about it uh, over the years uh, to, to thankfully for me, to bring a certain balance in my life. And, you know, uh, we always have more to accomplish in life. I think through my path, uh, you know, that served me a lot to um, live a life that was a little bit more axed towards pleasure and stuff. And believe me, not everyone here lives like this. We have this image of like everyone in France of the 60 million people lives this beautiful, pleasurable life. And as folks there, the French are like at the bottom of every happiness study, right? So, you know, you gotta, you gotta mix things. You gotta kind of find uh, things here. But again, it goes back to what are you deciding to uh, give meaning to in your experience of what you're experiencing? So yeah, in a, in a way it's a life philosophy for, for me. And I've given so many dinner parties, I can't even begin to, uh, to, to touch on that. And I've always wanted to make moments very um, special and festive. Uh, I want everyone sitting around the table to feel welcome that they have their space to shine in the light that no one's over dominating unless they're super interesting and not too much of a jerk but you know so like there's so many things happening in everyday life that is the playing field so i don't want to just be sitting in my meditation uh i want where i'm in mindfulness and all this present everything i want as i believe we all want to bring that uh into the real world and this is where i created this uh, this concept of alive-fullness, such as mindfulness. Like, I want to get us out of our mind, <laughs> right? And the senses are a beautiful way. And granted, we can't be in the bedroom all day long, right, Craig? I mean, you know, there's got to be other areas. Well, some of us. I don't know, David. <laughs> I haven't figured that out. I'm waiting to learn the practical pragmatics of that. I mean, I'm, I'm here to learn. <laughs> although, although to be fair craig has done disgusting things in every room in the house so <laughs> oh baby we go beyond the house let's be let's be real but you know david i love what, what you said because you touched on that france isn't always the happiest nation but you know we look at the ones that are and you've got your norways and you've got your finlands and we even talk about what are statistically the happiest marriages and we find in certain cultures it's arranged marriages that tend to report the happiest and when researchers are curious as to why, I feel like they all share the same uh, focus on the question that you asked earlier, which is where is the pleasure or how is this pleasurable? You know, we go to these Northern European nations and these are places without a ton of light <laughs> for many, many months. Like they have no choice but to survive and to choose to thrive by creating pleasure by being so deeply in relationship with it. It's almost not an option culturally because the other choice would be to suffer. And I think my experience in the West is that a lot of times we, we treat pleasurable as optional. We treat pleasure as, oh, I will deserve this later or I'll get it later or, oh, I'm not worthy of having it now as opposed to pleasure being really an essential component of our humanity <laughs> and one that we, we really we can't disconnect with if we want to thrive in business or relationship or anything. Yeah. And relationship is a really key, uh, 
like what you just said, I mean, uh, I was in a 27 year uh, marriage with a beautiful French woman. Uh, and um, unfortunately, she passed away two and a half years ago. Uh, so I, I know what it's like to be in a, a long term relationship. And um, while no relationship is perfect, those that are amazing are the ones that figure out uh, a way to keep the pleasure alive for each of them, right? And in them, along with running your life and having the connection, the communication and the integrity and the, the unerring support and the trust, right? And the, but it's, a, it's the same conversation for me. I mean, you know, the minute you start, um, it's, it, I think it's okay to look for pleasure outside of a relationship. And that depends what that is, and everyone will determine what they want that to be. But you know, my, my friend Esther Perel often talks about you know this erotic intelligence, right? This whole concept that you know we want everything in life now. We want the erotic and we want the stable. Uh, you know, the question is, how can you find something that makes sense for you and your couple that allows you to have that? If and if you want to stay in a couple, uh, which I think is a magnificent. Um, it's a magnificent life force and it's a magnificent co-creation. It's a splendid way to live a life, to build a life. Uh, you know, the stability you can have in a couple that functions well, gives you the wings to soar wherever you want, really. Uh, I'm not so sure people all kind of get that, but, but it's the same thing. If we lose creating pleasurable moments together, what do you do? You start looking for pleasurable moments somewhere else. <laughs> So, you know, um, you know, that's a pretty key part of the puzzle, as I see it. I mean, you want to hang out with people that are not, you know, like you don't, you don't have a moment of pleasure together. I'm not saying I don't like to go to a TED Talk and cry or, a, or a, you know, a, a, one of these Polish movies uh, that's just about destitute and death and suffering and I love feeling all these different kinds of emotions. I think it helps me grow to, to be a really expansive human being. At the end of the day though, I wanna live a pleasurable life, a satiated life. I wanna have a satisfying life. I'm in the purposeful, performant way that's all aligned for, for me. And I can only wish that for, for everybody else. But that takes, you know, that takes your execution, you being the leader, you being the proposer, you being the innovator, you taking the risks, you know, to to shake things up and uh, not get overly distracted, which happens to all of us, including me. I mean, it's saving grace to focus on this. I think for me. Well, Craig, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna double up here because I've got a couple of couple of different directions I want to go. First of all, David, I'm so sorry for your loss, and thank you so much for sharing that. It really puts a a different context around your book. I was going to ask you about the book. Uh, David is the author of a number one bestseller called Dance of the Love Caterpillars, an inspirational romantic tale of adventure, of loving and trusting life. So I want to get into that, but can I, can I get a moment of personal privilege first? Which is I'm actually dealing with a kind of an issue that we're talking about here. So if you don't mind, I'd love to get, I don't know what you want to do, your opinion, your coaching, your, your direction, or even just tell me to go jump. Um, the, uh, 
I'm married and have some kids that we know of. And uh, I, we bought last year, about a year ago, we bought this beautiful, I was teasing earlier about this palatial mansion, but we bought this really big dream house, right? Can see the ocean, beautiful. And it was because we, we said, you know, I'm tired of just working and slogging through and like everything's going to be paid off right about the time I should die. Right. So um, I was, I was like, let's live more intentionally or to use, to steal your word, a livefulness and actually look at the ocean and have a great life. So we did that. And now I'm in an interesting position because we, we rented out the old house and I could do one of two things. The market has gone so well that it feels like I'm in a, I'm in an either or where I can stay here and continue to slog through. It's kind of expensive. It's a lot of house, right? So if we stay here, my wife and I will need to work probably for the next 20 or 30 years just to, you know, pay the bills and make sure things happen and keep the lights on and like that, right? But the market's gone so well that if I sell this and move back to our previous house, which is smaller and doesn't look at the ocean and all that stuff, we'll be set for life. So we've got this like real security option, right? Go back and be set and everything's good. Or we've got this like delicious option that comes at a price. What have you got for me there? Or are you willing to do it? Or is, are you feeling? Sure, I have a, just a, probably a few questions. Uh, you right. know, first of all, let's say you sell the house and you go back to the old life and you know, you're financially in a good place, etc. I mean, what do you do then? Are you just, you know, throwing in the towel? I mean, what's what do you do with your life? What do you do with your lives? Oh, well, yeah, sorry. So I, you know, I love my work. So I would continue doing my work. Is, is that what you mean? Like, would we yeah, stop would working? You? And one of the things is that my beloved, she sometimes complains about her work. And this would be a real choice point, I think, for her, where she could choose to continue or choose to go do something else or choose to just sit around the house and, you know, enjoy whatever she found. Um, so that's a really good point. Like looking at the futures, because if we're here, we're kind of clear about our futures, got to keep working and stuff, but we get to look at the beautiful sea, right? And if you lived alone, what would you decide? I'd stay here. Why? Uh, I'm used to working. I'm not planning on like, I don't feel or experience the need to stop. And it's beautiful. I love having the beauty, you know, to your point, right? I can, one of the, I was thinking yesterday, the best moment of my day, and I love my work, uh, was still sitting out on my balcony at the, at sunset and watching the sun go down and having my dog and nature. Yeah. And uh, what, what do you think she wants to do? What are you sensing? If you've even had this conversation, I mean. <laughs> Yeah, I think we both, this is really good. Thanks for this. And I know it may not be a great podcast. We can always cut it later. Um, <laughs> I think that what she, I think that both of us are sort of in the mindset of, oh, we should go back, right? And just, you know, not worry about anything. I think I think that the stress of working and what if-ism is really big for her. So I think that she would be more comfortable and feel like it's the right thing to go. But we both super love this house. It's our dream house. Yeah. How old are you guys, if I may ask? Uh, she tells me she's 27. She might be a little, that might be a little off. I just turned 60, a zero. Okay. 
now. The question is, what's what's the dream? Yeah, it's really good. Thanks for um, thanks for not choosing for me. I want to acknowledge your coaching skills and mastery there, but I also appreciated the questions. It really uh, broadened it, you know, especially the future, because so many of us try and make a decision from right now, right? Mm -hmm. Which direction should I go instead of which future do you want? That one or this one? Or is there something in between? It occurred to me during this conversation that since a lot of our driver is money, we should look at everything else other than money, right? Instead of where do we want our money to be? It's how do we want our life to be? If I'm picking up what you're laying down. You know, it's, you know, it's like Ramit Sethi said, what is your rich life? You know, I, I like a really time rich life. That's really important to me. And so um, I work my life in a way uh, that allows me to do that. So I can travel and be with friends. So I can go have esoteric experiences. So I don't have to rush around in my life. Uh, and, you know, that's, that's just kind of currently how things kind of are, but uh, I don't know, I, I think we get to a point where, and it's not always, it's kind of an on off switch for a lot of people, right? Like you're saying, it's almost like an either or um, to ask the question, like what would be like an out of the box creative solution to this? I mean, is there any way you can get your cake and eat it too? I mean, some creative, scheme or something i don't know um, there it is you know there it is you've hit the nail on the head that it's an artificial either or we can actually have everything we want we just need to create that option yeah nice. and again i mean I, I i think you're catching on what i like to share a lot about and it's kind of silly because it sounds like it's a conversation about a balanced life but that's such a misnomer and like craig's and yours and my life talking about like, what's your balanced life, you know, completely different. Um, so it's kind of yours to, to decide, but like, what, what do you value the most? What means the most to you? What's like fundamental to you? Like I realized during this January here, this I'm doing a dry January, which is absurd for me. Um, <laughs> but that explains a cold shower. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, and, you know, I, I, I realized once again, that exercise and um, taking care of my body, going biking and walking every day, uh, like, but in a, a more, a more consistent and a more active way and a more engaging way. Like I bought new heavy weights and, you know, started redoing some programs and things, uh, that I have again. Uh, and I realized how much that makes me feel alive. And I realized how strong it makes me feel. And I realized how sexy it makes me feel. And I suddenly realized that I have this like extra layer of energy. Like I'd be doing like afternoon workouts, even some days during the week. And I'm like, this is crazy. The energy this is giving me, like, I can't believe I, I feel this good. Right. And so again, like, how do you want to spend your days so that you feel the best, um, you know, spend time with the people you want to spend time to have the impact and feeling of significance and connection that you want to have. I mean, there's, there's surely some creative way to look at that. And I'm not even talking about like financially, like financially, maybe there's some way to kind of sell the house now and touch the money later. I, I don't know. I don't, you know, something, you know, uh, or what about selling the other place? I don't know. You know, I don't know what the, uh, but you know, me, like freedom is, uh, is obviously an important thing to us, but I think that relates to everyday life, not so much 
you know, I've got 10 million in the bank and okay, that's great. That's important, but like, I can't believe how many people I meet who have a lot of money who've like never been to Europe before. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, wait a minute, like, you know, or, or they come and they, they have no, like... Tired of presentations with no impact, no inspiration, and no traction? Do dull speakers have you and your team disengaged and distracted by smartphones? Christopher McAuliffe brings energy, insights, and two decades of experience delivered with punch, humor, and heart. Your team will leave energized, uplifted, and with a sense of purpose. Visit ChristopherMcAuliffe.com to bring some heat to your next speaking engagement. M-C-A-U-L-I-F-F-E. ChristopherMcAuliffe.com. Are you seeking to change your career to something that is both fulfilling and challenging? Do you want to help people reach their full potential and strive to achieve their dreams? Would you like to inspire those around you and help create a better world? If you're serious about a career change or just want to explore the craft of personal coaching, contact Accomplishment Coaching with locations across the country in Washington, D.C., Seattle, Chicago, New York City, and San Diego. Accomplishment Coaching is the leading institution in personal coaching. Our staff carefully monitors the entire program live during the training process and have met the strict standards of ICF International to achieve accreditation. Through a focus on quality instruction rather than endless modules of training, Accomplishment Coaching will guide you from your very first step all the way to becoming one of the finest coaches in the world. Visit AccomplishmentCoaching.com to learn more. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. Christopher McAuliffe is your source for the latest in the world of personal coaching. Whether it be speaking with such luminaries as Deepak Chopra or getting the newest techniques and innovation, The Coaching Show is always on the cutting edge of what's happening now. The Coaching Show is brought to you by Accomplishment Coaching, home of the world's finest coach training program. Here is Christopher McAuliffe, Master Certified Coach. Uh, there's very little, um, it's going to sound kind of elitist perhaps, but there's like not a little worldliness or culture. Um, you know, they're very green behind the ears and just because they haven't traveled. Uh, and so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, time, I think, is a really important thing. And as I've just That's witnessed kind of like- recently, sorry, Craig, as I've just witnessed recently, you know, you know, someone can, someone can disappear from your life pretty fucking quickly. So, you know, be attentive to how you spend your life and the decisions you make, <laughs> you know? Thank you for that powerful point. I'm sorry for, for cutting you off. I'm, I'm hit yeah. by uh, the lesson that we don't always know what is pleasurable until we go out and try. You know, we talk about worldliness. I think those of us, we all here have traveled. And it's one of my greatest pleasures in life. New cultures, new food, the, the ability to be in a world unknown and just yeah. make relationships is so much fun. Um, but I find for many people, like we the experience is that of almost being trapped by our own ignorance. And then from that place, we unintentionally opt out of what could be most pleasurable, what really would turn us on. And I also hear this when I work with clients right now, talking about the great resignation of people leaving jobs that are no longer fulfilling them and those who are on the precipice, but they say, well, I don't know, would it feel better? <laughs> would it not? Am I just going to suffer more? So when you work with clients who are <clears throat> perhaps taking those leaps for the first time or they're having that internal conversation of, well, I don't know if it will actually be pleasurable. I hear a whisper in my soul, maybe, maybe it's made up. Uh, where, where do you go with them? You know, 
part of the alifeness thing also, and I think you touched on it very well. And I think sex is again another great example of this. Like it's great to think about sex and watch sex on on a screen, but until you're like having sex and in that connection thing, it doesn't mean bullshit. I mean, you you have no sense of what that is. Same thing with travel. You can't just go to Orlando to Disney Village or whatever it is and go visit 15 countries and think that you've traveled uh, around the world. Uh, so there's a, I was in the movie business before and I was, I actually worked at IMAX, right? Which is kind of comical, right? It's, it's think big. Um, it was, it was the tagline. It was, uh, see more, feel more, see more, hear more, feel more. Okay. So I'm like totally sensorial, right? Except even with the great 3d that they had, uh, you're in a, uh, you're in a vicarious experience even though we can be very immersed. And if there's any place to be fully immersed, it's in IMAX, even though most of the movies are, I mean, I don't really go to see those kinds of movies anymore. Uh, you know, you can really get immersed in a story and it can take over and you can actually become the character and feel the position. And so it kind of tricks you, but then you leave the movie theater afterwards, right? Uh, so how do we go from living vicariously to uh, actually living viscerally? Um, and it's by going out and, actually experimenting. Uh, it's not enough to just go eat um, Italian food in probably a pretty average Italian restaurant, which some people would think was good. But when you go to Italy, you realize it's not good at all. <laughs> I mean, you're ruined, right? <laughs> it's like going to eat sushi in Japan the first time. You're like, oh my God. Um, so I, I think it's about experimentation and finding the ways to grow through um, introducing and trying new things that are part of everyday life. And then when we expand, it relates to work, it relates to relationships, it relates to your money and your net worth and your, like all of these things, like, like where can we go so you actually don't just look at it almost like through someone else's eyes and that you actually do take full responsibility and ownership for your experience of life. You become your auteur, right? In French, the author of your life, instead of it being kind of like following stuff. And, and the other thing I think is, I think we've delegated a lot uh, of our thinking and, um, and, and, and pleasure to convenience uh, and things that are a little bit too, too easy. Um, you know, we don't go the extra mile. We don't, uh, we don't stretch ourselves to try an oyster when we've never eaten an oyster because we saw someone get sick once or we tasted once and didn't like it. Like, like we, we're closing down more and more. And the idea is, well, what if in every day of your life you can start opening again more and more and, you know, have the famous compound effect. You don't have to go jump off the highest bungee jump bridge in the world uh, which is a good experience, but you don't have to go do that to be able to feel what it's like to actually jump. I just started doing salsa dancing, well, salsa and bachata, right? Uh, eight weeks ago. And I, I know how to dance. I got some rhythm, you know, but I like doing stuff with steps. I'm like, fuck that, you know? And I'm like, I feel like I'm back in fucking high school, right? Like on one side, I'm like, fuck this, fuck those dudes who dance so well. I'm like super jealous. I haven't been jealous in like decades, right? Of anybody. And I'm jealous of these dudes dancing, you know, cause they're dancing with the women. 
And they're able to keep the women feeling pleasurable and entertained because they have a lot of different moves. And I've got like the five basic moves. And, I, you know, like after a little while, the girls are kind of like, thank you. You know, that was nice. Uh, and it's like, again, it's like being at the prom or something again. I can't hear. But I'm getting better and I'm practicing at home during this period every day, every day, every day. And I'm getting, I'm, I'm like getting more pleasure out of it. First of all, because I'm like finding a, a deliberate practice. So there's steps to follow. And then from that, finding my own thing, because it's really all about that. But then, like, you have to go back in and lead the women. I don't know if yeah. you guys dance, but, you know, it's not only really just you dancing by yourself. I grew up in a generation that danced by itself, you know. I, I was, uh, <laughs> it reminds me, I know that Craig, Craig's got more for you, but I, uh, it reminds me, I was with Julio Alaya once, the sort of legendary coach, of, uh, and he was working with somebody who was just totally stuck, and he had the person start to dance to salsa music while he was coaching him, and he said, because sometimes you have to move your ass to get your th mind right. I, so, I mean, and, uh, yeah, love that. Love Craig, that. what you got? I can see you, you want to dump I'm that. just chuckling over here, but I love, I got a, a light bulb or a, a lighting bulb moment, David, when you're talking about basically the demand to pursue pleasure when it's inconvenient and to really have it be like a tenant of our life. Not that we always need to do the, the inconvenient thing, but more so used to our comfort zone. <laughs> crashing by COVID of being more insular and being more distant. There's not a single person that I have met who has uh, not shared the desire to want to break out of it, but then to also say, I have all these new bodily sensations. I wasn't anxious before. I wasn't resistant going out dancing or to doing these house parties. All of a sudden, I'm 90 minutes in and I'm like, babe, we got to go. Like, why? Do we have another party? No. My body says it's done. It's uncomfortable. So I find it is so essential today to actually, yeah, really take stock of where is our resistance of pleasure, right? Or where are we opting out of it just because it feels inconvenient? And, uh, you know, we have a lot of new coaches who, who listen to the show, and I think that's probably a great gift to give them, which is where are you stopping yourself from having a pleasurable business because the initial step feels inconvenient. You know, when you were first beginning, your multi-faceted career in many interactions like how did you overcome that that resistance that enabled you to have a more pleasurable professional life well I, again it's i mean life is about connection with people right so if you have good relationships in the job that you do granted you're doing something where you connect with people whether you're a bus driver or someone at mcdonald's or if you're in a sales job or if you're in a whatever job, I mean, like to resist the temptation to only go for streamlining and ultra efficiency and transactional relationships. Uh, you know, I can't tell you how much time I've invested to, you know, push that back because I realized the, the value of a relationship that later on when my client who I'm, you know, negotiating with like crazy, um, you know, realize I've spent time with them and I call them and I know I know about their life. I don't just know about the, you know, how many tickets they're selling or whatever. Um, suddenly the connection is more meaningful and it's more rewarding. And again, I go back, it's more pleasurable. I mean, you know, I don't want to just be a hack. I could never have had a job selling um, widgets. No, I would have never made it. I wouldn't have been able, I wouldn't have been able to find the pleasure in that. I don't think uh, I'm too... Uh, 
too engaged in like, you know, take me off the spreadsheet. You know, where, where is it happening? So people is everything. The quality, like Esther Perel, I'll go back to her for one of her quotes on her website. Um, you know, the quality of your relationships is the quality of your life. So like there, like work the relationships. Um, and you got to shake things up. Got to try new things. Uh, you know, and other than that, it's, you know, there's a bit of slog. Yeah, you know, it's a bit of repetition. It's a bit of, you got to learn the rules a little bit at least before you can, you know, get around them and hack them and screw them and find the shortcuts. And, and I think, but you have to put in a little bit of, you know, time into uh, to that. Uh, and yeah, taking good care of yourself, your body, your physiology, the way you eat, your breaks and vacation, your naps, all these different things that allow you to feel like you're not just holding the dam until holiday time. You're not in the red zone for months until you actually take time off. So it's a saving grace for me to be with a woman who is a 10 time marathon runner, you know, and just like a crazy lover of travel. Uh, and so every moment we would just get strategic about our leisure time, our free time, and like get strategic about your leisure time and your life outside of work as much as you are about your life in work and your life in work is gonna get a lot more palatable and maybe you'll even feel more pleasurable there because you won't be resenting it because all you're doing is recuperating when your time off. Like I can't believe, and this is God bless everyone, but I can't believe people who get sick right before they go on holiday. Like, I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not how you manage your life. You don't do, you don't, you go to the breaking point and then prepare everything. And then, you know, you prepared everything so much that like no one has to do anything almost, right? To cover your job or whatever. And then you leave and because all the adrenaline goes down, all the, this whole thing happens and you get sick the first day on holiday. And so your whole holiday is like recuperating. I'm like, no, 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 no. Holiday is for climbing the Annapurna's. Uh, in Nepal. Holiday is for going for Barranco de Cobra Canyon in Mexico, down where there's guys still wearing guns and there's like cowboys and Indians still, right? It's for going in the desert and spending a week uh, hiking and sleeping in the sand. Uh, it's for, you know, going and building a school or whatever, whatever it is for you. Like I had, a, I had a lawyer friend who I couldn't believe, and I'm a little bit diverging, but a lawyer from the States who's, you know, 50 years old. Or I went to, to grammar school with this guy. And he'd never taken a holiday. Like 50 years old, his two partners said, you don't take a holiday? You know, you're gonna have a problem, you know, we're gonna blah, blah, blah. So they like forced him to go. So he takes a two week holiday uh, and goes to some silly resort in Mexico and sits on a beach chair by the pool. And after a week, he comes back. And then like on Facebook, you know, that was the worst idea ever, never do that again. I'm like, this man is the most uncreative person I think I've ever met. Uh, you know, God bless him, but you know, like, like there are 10 million things to do with free time. And so if you're, if you're not gonna get good at how you use your free time to nourish yourself with pleasure purposely, to make yourself stronger, to release, to heal, to not be in conflictual relationships, to not, uh, you know, to not get so uh, uh, inactive. Uh, like there's so many things to take care of. Uh, and I think that creates for me 
that helped me get through and helps me get through the, the harder times. After that, of course, you know, uh, there's lots of challenging moments and I'm, I, I'm not always overcoming all of them either. Uh, but it's, you know, showing up and being consistent and being open to the possibility that maybe the pleasure is coming a little bit later. Maybe there is pleasure in something instead of you bitching about it, uh, you know, so that you can actually um, be in an, like an abundant mindset. Like this work is helping me take holiday. This work is helping me feed my family. Um, you know, again, reframe it a bit to, to accelerate uh, uh, more, but yeah, it's, it's an everyday thing. You know, I, I struggle, I continue to, you know, struggle with this in my own ways. Also, you know, I imagine we all do, hopefully a little bit in our own ways. I mean, we kind of want to be like Bruce Springsteen, right? Who said the day that I grow up and I'm about to get on stage to sing, you know, and I don't throw up, you know, I'm done. That's it. I love that image of the, of the uh, guy who never took a holiday because I think we've all been, at least in America, I have been in hotels where I've walked by people who were sitting by the pool doing business, you know, on their laptops and everything, right? And you're kind of like, you, you just want to go over and say, uh, you're at a, at a pool, you know, enjoy yourself, right? Go, go swim. Um, you are, speaking of abundance and generosity, you are very generous. You have something to give away to 10 of our lucky listeners or observers or whatever we call people who tune into podcasts these days. Do you want to share what that is, David? Yeah, it's an EBIC version of Dance of the Love Caterpillars. So tell us a bit about that book. Here's the book, which is quite nice because it's got really amazing original uh, uh, illustrations. Who did the art? Uh, her name is Cheryl Vanderpool. She's a lovely lady in the United States who I've, you know, divinely connected with at some point. Uh, and yeah, it's... You know, I wrote the book as a reminder to myself to savor life every day um, and that life can bring you serendipitous, um, you know, opportunity as much as it can crisis, you know. In the story, there's a love tree, which is a real tree that has a heart, these trees that make hearts, that falls over a river uh, randomly because of a lightning bolt that happened to hit that tree. And of course, there's two caterpillars pinky and blue walking on different sides of the river. And so they actually see the same love flower over the river and both climb up to go uh, eat it and, uh, you know, encounter each other there. And that's kind of the story uh, uh, begins. And yeah, it was really, I mean, in a lot of ways, it was just a reminder to me as much as I wanted it to be for, for everyone um, that, you know, life is now, I don't know what tomorrow brings. And if I can't savor um, now uh, and really take advantage of um, the people in my life, uh, the good things in my life, particularly the people, uh, you know, I'm really not. Uh, I'm really not fully living my life. I think in an abundant way. Uh, I think when you do this, when any kind of thing happens in your life, if you're living abundantly and connecting with people lovingly and affectionately, and in community, and you know, taking your responsibility as part of all of that for taking care of yourself, you know, if you do this and literally you're very attentive to others, 
if something dramatic happens in your life, you cannot, well, let's say you can't, cannot, but I feel that you, um, you feel uh, less grief, uh, you feel less guilt, uh, you feel less sorry for yourself. And overall, you feel as if like you've given everything you could to the moment that you've come to. I mean, I have a friend of mine whose father just passed away right on Christmas Day. And I'd actually gone to spend time with him in the hospital and stuff. Um, and it reminded me of, you know, just that again. It's like, why we're living and we're alive and we can reach out to each other and we can spend time with each other to put that at the forefront so that we do not ever feel like we're not really uh, savoring and, and loving life. And, and again, I, I feel when you do that with others and for the things you wanna do with your life and you savor the ride, you enjoy the ride. I mean, you know, we could all, as far as I'm concerned, you know, we could, you know, pass away tomorrow or the people around us could. And I'm not saying that's a pleasurable thing. I've lived through that. But I, I feel like it means that you fully lived. My heartstrings have all been plucked now, David. That really, uh, really resonates over here. And I just want to say thank you for, for taking the time to both share your lived truth with us and to help us remember that truth that I think we all have that we grow distant from in the you know humdrum of the days that we fall onto repeatedly. So really just thank you for that. The email to get the book. So 10 copies, 10 eBooks of David's number one bestseller, Dance of the Love Caterpillars, an inspirational romantic tale of the adventure of loving and trusting life are available. You want people to send the email to you, right, David? Yeah, you can send me an email directly. If we can put that in the show notes, that would be great. Uh, and in, that's fine. And in case you can't find it or don't want to look for the show notes, the email is Brower, B-R-O-W-E-R, David, D-A-V-I-D, C, letter C. So Brower, David, C at gmail.com. That's Brower, David, C at gmail.com. It's been so great to be with you, David. Thank you so much for joining us in a completely different time zone in a completely different country from your, your beautiful I assume, pied-à-terre and uh, Paris, France. Is there, is there a parting thought or an additional nugget that you'd like to leave our listeners with today, leave us with today? I'd just like to express that my belief is that the, um, the next frontier in terms of scientific study and the data catching up, et cetera, uh, is... Uh, going to be around savoring and we're going to realize the power of savoring to alter our lives and to contribute to the quality, the value, the meaning, the purpose, and the performance of our lives. Uh, and that um, it's something that can be accessible to everyone um, and you, you, know, you need to be aware of it and to focus on that and to practice that. And so just realize it's accessible to you to um, plug into more joy and pleasure in everyday life. Um, may not work for everything, 
but I can assure you that it will work for a lot of the areas of your life when you look closely and pull out and start asking different questions about, you know, is this really what we want? Is this really the pleasure that I want to experience and liberate yourself, free yourself to live a life that you love and to love it? Beautiful. You can find out more about David and, and find out how to work with him, among other things, by going to David Brower, that's D-A-V-I-D-B-R-O-W-E-R, pleasurecoach.com. That's David Brower, pleasurecoach.com. Thank you so much for being with us. Greg Cassie, you know, some of us are old people and we don't have the Insta or we don't like the Insta or we don't go there. So is there another way to reach you? Is there an uh, uh, electronic mail address or, or perhaps a, a website? You know, I love me some carrier pigeons. I'm getting more tap the smoke signal. So if you're practicing, send it my way. But another way to reach me is uh, via my website. It's simply craigcassie.com, C-R-A-I-G-C-A-S-S-E-Y. But my declaration for this year is to start meeting people in person too. So hopefully at a future conference in person, in the world, whether I'm coaching or maybe just pleasure, you'll see me there. That's right. And Craig is an extraordinary coach. And I, uh, I can't invite you or uh, strongly enough to interact with him because you're just you're just a hell of a great human being. And I'm so grateful that you spent time with us today. Thank you for being here. I'm touched and flattered. Christopher, nicest thing you said all year to me. Thank you. <laughs> well, uh, last year, too. Uh, thank you so much. And of course, we want to shout out to our long time, 20 years now. Uh, sponsor of this program, which is Accomplishment Coaching, Home of the World's Finest Coach Training Program, where you can find transformation, really. Go to check them out at accomplishmentcoaching.com. I'm Christopher McAuliffe uh, saying to you, dear listener, thanks for being with us. We will bring you each and every week somebody out on the cutting edge, somebody interesting, or just plain, just plain a pioneer in the world of coaching right here on The Coaching Show at Accomplishment Media or wherever you get your fine podcasts. I thank you for listening, and we will talk to you next week. That's it for today's episode. Thanks for listening to The Coaching Show. We will talk to you next week.